Although the term urban sprawl was coined in the 1930s, by the 70s it was a hot topic, as increasingly more rural areas and farmland were divided up and paved over into strip malls and subdivisions. This spreading ring around our cities where urban sprawl is happening is officially known as the Rural Urban Fringe. Today on County Lines, producer Renee Wild takes us there. The Urban Fringe is a transition zone between town and country where rural and urban uses meet, mix, and sometimes clash. In 1969, Mary and Robert Beck, along with their three young sons, moved their dairy operation to a 178-acre farm in Jamestown, Ohio. Back then, the area was a thriving farming community. Well, hogs were prevalent in this area because there was a lot of corn grown in the area, and uh, it was hogs and beef cattle. And then Mary, now 88, we heard and two of her sons, David and Tim, are gathered around her kitchen table in that original farmhouse. Her sons describe what it was like when they first moved here. And then once we moved up here, what, for six months probably? Was it six months? I'd say three. Three. Mm-hmm. Dad went down and milked the cows at Spring Valley and came back up here until we transformed all the buildings from hog barns to cattle barns to move the dairy herd up here. My husband got cancer in 91. Uh, when Dad passed away, David and I then rented the farm from Mom and started grain farming and raised a few head of cattle. Yeah. David and Tim are now in their 50s with families of their own, and urban sprawl is pushing in on the land that they have farmed for the past five decades. So the Beck brothers wanted to preserve their family farming heritage for their kids and their grandkids. On the other side of the county, every day they're building up more and more, and there's less and less farm ground. And sooner or later, you have to be able to feed the people, and you're going to need the ground. So we just thought this was a good opportunity to join the block around us and just create a larger area that would be preserved agriculture. The Beck brothers joined with some of their surrounding neighbors, and they put their property into a farmland preservation easement with the help of the Tecumseh Land Trust a nonprofit group that works with local farmers to preserve Ohio's farmlands. There's six or seven farms joined up here that are all together. There's a couple thousand acres all together now. During the four-year process to secure the easement, the Becks could see the urban sprawl growing closer to their farmland. There's a farm about uh, two to three miles from here that was uh, split up into housing development. It was a very, very productive farm, and uh, we hated to see that disappear. When that former farm was divided into around 20 different plots, three pilots bought land to build homes with adjacent private grass airstrips. Jeff Stinson was one of the first. We were looking for a place out in the country, and uh, this this whole farm used to be a, one big farm, 500 acres, and they started dividing it up, and I uh, thought, well, I could make a nice strip there, so I bought that and built the strip. Jeff and fellow neighbor pilot Dewey Davenport are sitting in lawn chairs outside a large pole barn filled with vintage biplanes on Dewey's property. Dewey explains why these plots of former farmland were perfect for the pilots. If you notice, pretty much every airplane in here is an antique, and they're made for grass runways and short takeoff and landing type flying. So it's about a quarter mile long. It's a perfect length. As the 20 or so lots from the original sale of the farm continue to be re-subdivided and sold, more houses and barns are cropping up on the road. Uh, We've been in our place for eight years, going on nine years now, and we've seen it, to where you could look out the window and see one neighbor down the road, but now I'm seeing six and seven houses. So, 
The irony isn't lost on them that the same continued sale of farmland that allowed them to build their country airstrips may also be the reason they get pushed out of the area eventually. As the rural-urban fringe continues to push outward, it's gobbling up farmland at an amazing speed. Since 1950, over 7 million acres of Ohio farmland have been lost. Only two-thirds remain. Through their preservation easement, David and Tim Beck know that their farm will be one of those that remain for the next generation. We're not in it for the profit. We're in it because we like the lifestyle. We like to see plants come up in the spring. We like to see plants be productive. You know, we want to see the ground survive. We want to see it remain productive. You know, it's in our best interest to take care of everything and preserve the resources. For County Lines on WYSO, Renee Weil, Jamestown, Ohio. County Lines is made possible by a generous grant from Ohio Humanities. Today on County Lines, we bring you a commentary from retired Kenyon College professor and former director of Kenyon's Rural Life Center, Howard Sachs. Looking out over the rolling farm fields from the front porch of his 94-acre farm in Gambier, located in Knox County, Howard reflects on what the definition of rural character is and what it means to him. My family operates a farm in Knox County some 50 miles outside the city limits of Columbus, Ohio. Over the past few decades, urban sprawl has come our way, transforming the rural landscape and small villages into suburban developments and commercial strips. Driving past the miles of decorative fencing surrounding a gated community, my wife Judy sighs, so much fence, so little livestock. The rural character of this county is still visible all around me. I see it driving down township roads surrounded by open green landscapes, rolling fields and pastures that are punctuated by the occasional farmhouse and clusters of outbuildings. I hear it sitting on the front porch of my farmhouse at night, surrounded by silence and the occasional sounds of nature beneath the heavy darkness of a starry evening sky. But along the next road west of our place, the fields have been split into five-acre lots, and the lights from modular homes and starter mansions now dim the night skies. The new influx of residents to this rural community like the idea of living in the country, but don't care much for the sense of farm life or the sounds of machinery during harvest time that are a practical part of living in the country. In the face of this transformative change, Local citizens convened a public dialogue about the future of our community. The primary goal was to preserve the rural character of our county. But what is rural character? For most Americans, rural means little more than the absence of what we associate with urban life, from cultural amenities to social diversity. The federal government defines rural simply as low population density, But these definitions fail to capture the distinctive elements that constitute a rural way of life. Much of Knox County's economy still relies on agriculture. The grain silo at the Farmers Co-op remains the tallest building in the county seat. Implement dealers still sell and repair farm equipment like tractors, hay elevators, and brush hogs. 
The county's rural heritage embodies a distinctive set of cultural values, neighborliness, hard work, and independence. Rural character also denotes a certain kind of sociability, an intimacy rooted in connection to place. Old-time farmers speak of knowing the inside of everyone else's kitchens a generation ago, when neighbors would take dinner together as they moved from farm to farm in collective labor to bring in the harvest. Today, neighbors still gather at the Grange Hall, but its members, like the overall farming population, is aging and Grange membership is in rapid decline. In simple terms, rural character means seeing the night sky, working the land, knowing your neighbors, and valuing community. We've lost much of this in modern society, at great cost to our individual and collective well-being. Today, long-time residents don't quite trust newcomers who won't bother to get to know their neighbors and treat the area as a bedroom community or weekend retreat. In response, the new residents often find their older neighbors a bit standoffish. My daughter plans to take over our farm in a few years, and I worry that she won't have the same opportunities as past generations, or be able to experience the rural character of our community the way we have, which has given us so much peace through connection to the land and to our neighbors. I'm Howard Sachs, former professor at Kenyon College and former director of the Rural Life Center. I also farm with my wife here in Gambier, Ohio. County Lines is WYSO series focusing on small towns and rural communities, made possible through a grant from Ohio Humanities. Today, as part of our series called County Lines, we have an opinion piece. It comes from Steve Kahn, the W.E. Smith Professor of History at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Kahn is a regular contributor to the Dayton Daily News and the Huffington Post, and a frequent lecturer in the U.S. and around the world on a variety of topics. He's also the editor of Origins, Current Events in a Historical Perspective. His most recent book is Americans Against the City, Anti-Urbanism in the 20th Century. He has these thoughts about attitudes and public policy toward immigrants in southwest Ohio. I'm a city kid, born and bred, and so it probably isn't a coincidence that I became a specialist in urban history. These days I find myself living in Yellow Springs and teaching in Oxford at Miami University. My drive to campus is a remarkable cross-section through the Miami Valley, from one small town to another with the city of Dayton and acres of farm fields in between. My commute through the region has convinced me that American cities may have something to teach us about the fate of rural America. When I grew up in the 1970s, Philadelphia was a pretty tough town, and I didn't understand that what I saw as a kid was a city on the ropes, pummeled by big forces, factory closings, systematic disinvestment, and population loss. But by the time I started to teach 20 years ago, a funny thing happened. Many cities began to turn around. Neighborhoods that had seemed to be in irreversible decline stabilized. People started moving back. Investment returned, too. Even in Dayton, the population loss seems to have stopped, according to the Census Department. In Philadelphia, I can't afford to live now in some of the neighborhoods my parents told me to avoid when I was a boy. 
Large swaths of our region today feel a lot like the urban America I grew up in. We all know about the epidemic of drug addiction and the rise in crime that has come with it, but underneath that crisis has been a slower erosion of economic and social health. People are leaving. The poorest counties in Ohio are all rural. There are lessons here, I think, for the rural parts of our region. One of them is the importance of immigration. Before millennials and empty nesters showed up in American cities, immigrants from the Caribbean and Central America, from West Africa and East Asia, moved into urban neighborhoods and laid some of the foundations upon which the urban renaissance has been built. Here's where politics and policy matter. Dayton has energetically made itself an immigrant-friendly city, and Dayton's immigrant population has doubled in the last 10 years, helping to stem decades of population loss. Rural Ohio, however, isn't so hospitable. Immigration and customs enforcement data show that immigrant deportations across the state actually rose 36% in 2017, even while they declined nationally. And Ohio's rural voters have supported politicians aggressively hostile to immigrants. Representative Warren Davidson from Ohio's 8th, for example, wants to end birthright citizenship and Butler County Sheriff Richard Jones has become nationally famous for his anti-immigrant histrionics. Both won re-election easily. Meanwhile, a farmer I talked to late in the summer told me he had closed up his vegetable operation because his Mexican crew wasn't coming back. Last year, I taught a class on the history of small towns in America. My students were struck by how painful it is for many in rural America to acknowledge the challenges these areas face. One of my students, after interviewing many longtime residents of a small Preble County town, remarked, Nostalgia is a powerful drug. He's right. It lulls people into thinking that our best days are inevitably behind us and makes them feel threatened by change. At its worst, nostalgia turns quickly into destructive anger. That narcotic plays a significant role in our politics today. Immigrants will change our rural communities, and that change clearly frightens some of us. But as the experience of American cities shows, that change might well be the key to reviving our countryside. That's Steve Kahn, W.E. Smith Professor of History at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. His most recent book is Americans Against the City, Anti-Urbanism in the 20th Century. His opinions are his own and don't necessarily reflect those of WISO or its licensee. County Lines is made possible by a grant from Ohio Humanities.